This is Isaka's Page 2 Podcast. Hello, my name is Lisa Villanueva, and I'm the IT Governance Professional Practices Lead at ISACA. Today, I'm here to discuss environmental, social, and governance practices with two great panelists. First, we have with us Mark Thomas. Hi, thank you, Lisa. Mark Thomas here, longtime ISACA member. I hold the C-Guide, C-Risk, CDIPSI certifications, and I'm also a COBIT certified assessor. Thank you, Mark. And we also have with us Karen Shiozaki. Thank you, Lisa. Glad to be here today. Uh, my name's Karen Shiozaki. I'm a chief information officer for a financial services company based in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I've been involved with ISACA for over 12 years. I hold the SeaGuide and SIDIPSI certifications, and I'm also a SheLeads tech ambassador. I'm also a certified e-discovery specialist. I'm so excited to have you here with us. Um, as I said from the top, our discussion is going to be on environmental, social, and governance practices. And it's all the rage. I was just looking at the news, and you could see it everywhere. And I'm just wondering, uh, what is ESG? Let's talk about that with our listeners. And why is there all this buzz? Mark, let's start with you. Sure, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll kick this off. You know, environmental and social governance, like you said, I, I don't think this is a fad right now. If you think about the current, uh, the global pressures right now, we're having to create a more sustainable and resource efficient environment. And, and you, you couple that with social pressures right now to make work more accessible and equitable for all people. Enterprises really should be looking at how we're looking at stakeholder value and how we generate that through balancing, right, the, the benefits, um, the risks, and, and optimizing our resources. Now, if you, if you do a resource, uh, an internet search today, like you said, um, it, you'll likely find multiple sites out there on how you should be investing in ESG-friendly companies. But there's more to it than just investing in these companies because, because I think that as a proponent of ESG, you know, investing is just one way to really look at long-term aspects of the relationships between an enterprise and, and its customers, suppliers, employees, regulators, and, and the social and, and, and ecosystem in which it operates in. And I think the the, the recent pandemic has resulted obviously in a, in a recession, right? But we're seeing updated business strategies. We're seeing changes to global economics and the ways of working, socializing, and even, of course, how we invest. So I think that being environmentally friendly, right, but also looking at the social responsibility enablers helps show really good corporate stewardship. I'll throw that over to you, Karen, to see if you've got uh, some views of your own. Mark, I actually agree with you. Uh, you up till now, it's been really super heavy on the investment side, and uh, you know, certainly I know in, in in the corporate world that I belong to, everybody's worried about you know what their ESG score is because they want to be able to get the attention of um, investors because they uh, investors are actually changing their shift to want to be involved with more. Um, socially responsible companies. But it's also a matter of, as citizens and members of the community, we also need to be involved in this too, because as we've seen, what's going on in the world today, it really does take a village to solve these problems. 
Excellent, excellent. You know, you guys sound very passionate about these items. And I just wanted to ask, how did you come to collaborate um, and, and really get involved in this space, this ESG space? Well, Mark and I have been connected on LinkedIn for some time. And um, when he made his posts last year regarding uh, ESG, I, I happened to be at that time advising some nonprofits on ESG. And I was also part of a team that was conducting executive training on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I happened to comment on his post remarking that, in my opinion, discussions about business ethics associated with ESG seem to be very scarce. And that's when he invited me to be part of this webinar series that he was planning. Excellent. And Mark, anything you want to add? Yeah, sure. It, it was pretty interesting that the post Karen is talking about is, is I advise uh, several boards in North America and, and, and globally, and I was put on the spot in a, in a board meeting, and I'm the IT governance and cybersecurity advisor for this board. And they said, Mark, what does this ESG have to do with IT governance and, and what can, what do we need to look at today from a technology perspective to not only prepare for this, but to, to be a more corporate responsible citizen. And, and so that's when the post I put out because I really wanted to explore because I couldn't answer the question. And, and, and where, where Karen's strength really lied um, was, was in the ethics side of this and understanding kind of that is a very, very difficult part of looking at ESG. So that's how, and again, we've known each other for quite some time um, uh, professionally in the governance space and the risk space and so on. So yeah, there were a lot of synergies between our interests around me as being a consultant and Karen as being a practitioner in the C-suite and, and, and being involved in boards as well. We had a really good synergy into how we could tackle a lot of the information about ESG because there's so many pieces and what we're trying to do is pull these pieces from a lot of different places to make a kind of a single view of what ESG is really all about for companies. Oh, excellent, excellent. And you guys have given us a little bit of a primer into some of the drivers, but I'd like to delve in a little bit deeper. Perhaps, Karen, you could talk to us about some of those drivers. Mark mentioned investments. Um, he talked about ethics. Give us a little, a little background on some of the drivers for ESG. Okay, sure. Well, you know, there, there's been a lot of societal turmoil over the past years, right? You think about corporate scandals, Climate change obviously is in the news a lot. We've had significant data breaches and of course racial tensions. And that's led to investors demanding much more transparency from corporations that they're going to be investing in. And there's also, you've also seen a shift of consumers. You know, they're shifting their preferences in, in what they buy and who they're buying from. And of course, now you've got COVID in the mix. The COVID pandemic really exacerbated the inequities in our communities that have existed in a number of areas for such a very long time. So that's led to increased activism by citizens. And, you know, these organizations are really feeling the pressure to respond. And you see organizations now rushing to prove their social responsibility chops. And there's one other driver, and it's a big one. Um, many governments around the world have committed to the UN sustainability goals. And, and Mark and I uh, refer to that in the paper that we wrote for ISACA. And as the governments implement policies and regulations related to those, corporations have been forced to follow suit. 
Oh, excellent, excellent. So let's, you know, I've been thinking about this acronym and let's dig into each of, of the letters in this acronym. Um, starting with environmental, uh, talk to us more about what are some of the, walk us through what those actually are, what they look like. Karen, I'll let you kick that one off. All right, well, the environmental part of ESG, it's really all about the impact that an organization has on the environment. So examples of things that are um, looked at would be the level of greenhouse gas emissions, the energy efficiency of operations, how well the company deals with waste management. You know, and there may be other factors that are specific to the type of business you're in. So for example, a company that deals heavily with natural resources, they may be scrutinized for their impact on biodiversity. So from a practitioner perspective, for me being a CIO, for example, I am working with a data center that has been green certified. Excellent. Then we also have the S in that, Karen. Can you talk to us about some of those social elements as well? Sure. So to date, environmental issues have really been top of mind for the investors. But now you've seen social issues are growing in importance as well. And, you know, COVID really threw a spotlight on the importance of employees to the economy, especially when you look at the healthcare and food supply sectors. And as we're entering 2022 and dealing with yet another virus variant, you know, you think about what's happening now, right? You've got schools and businesses that have had to scale back their operations because of the number of people that are getting infected. And that's on top of the labor shortages that we've been experiencing and trying to grapple with for the past year. So from a socialist perspective, organizations are going to be scrutinized for the quality of their employee relations. And they're also going to be assessed on how they address labor standards and human rights, both internally to their operations, but also in their supply chain relationships. Okay, excellent. And you raised a few items that really get me thinking a lot about governing bodies and regulations. And Mark, that really ties right into the G, right? Talk to us about governance. You got it. Governance is about directing and controlling in an organization. What's interesting here is that primary tenets of governance have not changed in years. It's, it's, it's the focus of your governance efforts. And, and what we're seeing right now is, you know, you've got the G is governance at ESG. And so, so these indicators of governance are really helping us understand and revealing internal structures and controls and procedures that organizations have put in place to not only govern themselves, but to identify the risks, meet compliance requirements, help drive safe decisions, and of course, uh, addressing their, their, their stakeholder needs. So a couple of things here involved here, you got corporate governance, right? The board composition and governance structures is key here because that's how you make decisions in a organization that has a governing body. And again, they may all not be a board of directors, could be a board of regents or a similar type of governing body that directs and controls an organization. You've got things like executive compensation, accounting practices, conduct and culture, grievance mechanisms, uh, lobbying, public policy engagement, so many things as part of overall corporate governance. And then you have your, your, your information and technology governance, which really is the piece that, that we started looking into because that was the original question. How can, how can technology, from a governance perspective, 
help us with ESG. Well, as you know, there, you know, with the digital transformation moves that we've seen, you know, technology is mind boggling and there are more capabilities today with technology than we have the ability to understand the information that's coming out of that. So, so being able to really leverage technology, the reporting systems, the collection systems to help us make the right decisions as it comes to our environmental and social decisions. Now, corporate behavior is another piece that falls under uh, under the governance umbrella. We talked about, of course, board composition and governance structures, compensation and those types of things. But we need to make sure that we're looking at an awareness of ESG. When we talk about an awareness of ESG, all the way from just not at the executive level, but all the way down to the contributor level, and what is the recognition and reward system that we have in place to support those people and the resources in the organization that understand ESG and are supporting those? Because at the end of the day, one of the things that, that, that we say from an ESG perspective, it's the right thing to do. And, and, and oftentimes governance looks at short-term profits, right? Especially when we're looking at, say, a listed or a publicly traded organization. But sometimes we can be blind in an organization when it comes to short-term profits, when we should be thinking about the long-term gains. And Karen and I both agree on this, that the efforts you put into ESG today may not make you short-term profits, but they are certainly going to get you to long-term benefits that as an organization, you may see financially at some point in the future. All right. And what you really share with us are a lot of the reasons why companies should care about ESG, right? Hey, it's, it's true. So, so why should a company even care, right? There's a valid argument here that, that ESG is following some trend to sustainability and corporate responsibility movements, right? These trends they're really generally based on efforts to convince enterprises to do the right thing, like we said. Now, we've seen some hesitation for some organizations to embrace the concept because they need to protect shareholder value and, and enhance their valuation. Because if I'm a shareholder activist and I say be ESG compliant, oh, wait a second, what just happened to my retirement? Right. So there's a balance there between how we put those investments in an organization. And it's, it's important for us to understand there is long term value. When we build a business case in our enterprise for truly supporting ESG, it is not short term gains. It is the long term value. Right. Because, again, short term gains right now. And if you look at the stock market as of the last couple of weeks, we're looking for short term gains. But we have to get past that. We're seeing a revolution that really now requires this long-term view because, like I said before, it's simply the right thing to do. And over time, organizations will see benefits. Absolutely. And Karen, you know, the stakeholders, they ran the gamut, right? It, what about the individual? Why should the individuals care about ESG? Well, and to, to echo what Mark said, it is the right thing to do. I mean, in, in as much as we're all part of larger communities, we all have a responsibility to do our parts to contribute to the greater social good. But also when you think about how well organizations perform on their ESG goals, that has a downstream effect on us, individual consumers and, and citizens. So as individuals, we actually have quite a lot of clout. And so I would encourage people to think about this, right? 
because consumers should align with brands whose values they share. So if we embrace the ESG values and what, how that's going to make this world a better place to live, then we need to think about, again, who we're buying from, what it is we're buying. You know, think about your day-to-day life, okay? I was just in the grocery store, can't find cream cheese for my bagel. And have you also noticed that it costs about 6% more to feed a family in the US. I mean, that's thanks to labor shortages and supply chain issues. You know, and people want to work in places where they feel valued, where they see opportunities to get ahead and where they're fairly compensated and perhaps you know, where they embrace diversity of opinion and diversity of the workforce relevant to our current times right now. I mean, think about it. Is your employer's requirement for coming back to the office backed up with the necessary health and safety precautions. I mean, have your concerns been listened to? I mean, all of these things are addressed by different aspects of ESG. Now, I, I know Mark and I, have, we, we want to say, we are not really focused on the investment aspects of ESG, but from an individual perspective, in terms of, you know, for your personal investments, or let's say you're like me, I do volunteer for a number of nonprofit boards, and in some cases I'm on their investment committee. Um, COVID saw the most severe market crash since the Great Recession. But market analysis has also shown us that the top-rated ESG funds generally fared better than comparable non-ESG funds during that pandemic uh, downturn, which pretty much they consider ranging from December 2019 through May 2020. So that's something to think about, too. Absolutely. And as a, as individuals, we want to also, I mean, you talked about shopping and cream cheese, right? We want to put our money in organizations that hold some of our values or the things that we hold dear. And we've talked about environmental, right? People who are focused on, or companies that are focused on affordable and clean energy. Um, you talked about parity in the workplace, uh, those social issues, and that's where people are going to want to put their money or uh, invest their, their efforts. And as such, uh, there'll be more reporting requirements and things of that nature, you know, around this whole space. Mark, did you want to add anything there? No, I, I actually was just thinking, I, I think the next the next white paper or blog we write is who moved my cream cheese. I like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't throw that piece. Absolutely. <laughs> it seemed to work for the last book. <laughs> I think people are going to love this white paper. Uh, Karen uh, alluded to it. It's called What Are You Doing About Environmental, Social, and Governance Practices in Your in Your Enterprise? And uh, uh, we encourage people to go out and take a look at it, uh, which brings me to let's talk a little bit about our ASACA community, our community of practitioners in the risk space, the security space, the governance space, uh, the audit space. Why is this subject applicable to them? Can I start with you, Mark, and then we'll go sure, to Karen? Sure, absolutely. And what's interesting is if, if you think about ISAC as an association, uh, what we've always seen as members and as the association, um, ISACA has always been extremely good at staying on the cutting edge of some of the latest and greatest things. And again, I'm not saying this just because I'm on ISACA podcast, but but it's true. But if you think about the basic tenets, you know, uh, as a as an IT governance type, and again, audit assurance, governance, privacy, digital um, digital trust, and so on. So a lot of the core tenets 
of every one of our certifications, every one of our, our bodies of knowledge, webinars, and so on, all really really are, are around the whole IT of how we're governing and managing an enterprise. And this is one of the reasons why when, when Karen and I really started talking about this, we thought that you know the membership of ISACA, uh, by and large, w- would be very interested in this topic for not just because it's governance, because this, folks, whether you like it or not, ESG could potentially be a compliance requirement from you at some point, which is going to require risk, assurance, a lot of other things. Privacy, governance, auditing, security, so many aspects of, of the daily business lives of our members seem to be affected by this whole thing called ESG. So yeah, again, we we actually looked at the at the tenets of governance. Um, and one of the things we talked about the white paper that, that's forthcoming through ISACA. So we picked out a couple of parts from COVID actually, that said, you know, you don't have to recreate a governance system. ISACA currently has frameworks. We have models and bodies of knowledge that can help you actually build the foundations for that system that you should have in place, whether it's ESG or something after this. Absolutely. You know, I hope I'm not too far off with this, but it reminds me in some ways of SOCs in that there are disclosures or there's financial, because it did start in the investment community uh, and there may very well be requirements for disclosure down the way if there aren't already in some parts of the world. Interesting that, that you mentioned that and, and Karen and I have talked about this a lot. There Today, there's no single body of knowledge or no single place to go to that tells you all of these ESG requirements globally. It's based on, on where you are on the globe. But I'll tell you, U.S., uh, the SEC just recently stated that corporate disclosures on ESG issues are a high priority for listed organizations or newly listed organizations on the NASDAQ. So we've got in India, for example, the Security and Exchange Board of India, they just issued a circular requiring the thousand top listed enterprises to report ESG information, right? Um, so we've got it in multiple different places. Um, Karen, there were several other areas that we'd taken a look at. I think we looked at, um, uh, do you recall the other countries we looked at? Anyway, several of them out there that have some regulations coming. Absolutely. Karen, anything you want to add? Well, you know, Lisa, I thought it was interesting that you referred to uh, Sarbanes-Oxley because this is very, you're right, this is a pretty similar situation because way back in the day when this regulation came out and it's like, oh my God, I've got to comply with this. Companies were scrambling to try to do their best. And those of us that were in the technologies and um, INT governance, you could step back and take a very practical approach to this and help your company get its ducks in a row to become uh, SOX compliant. Uh, you know, and again, I think about the breadth of the professional roles that are held by our SOCA members, you know, Apply your expertise because it's in the early stages for many companies. And each one of us, in my opinion, can make a huge difference in how successful or not our companies are in meeting their ESG strategies and goals. And, uh, you know, Mark was talking about some of the regulations that are out. The regulation space is going to, I think it's going to snowball. Everybody's trying to come up with what the different regulatory reporting requirements are. And I think ISACA members are probably uniquely positioned to play critical roles in addressing both the current and upcoming regulatory requirements for ESG reporting. 
Absolutely. And it really takes me down a path of thinking about data because ultimately we have to determine where was the critical data coming from and what systems were generating those. And there's there's where our IT community started to come in and our practitioners uh, into play. Uh, and so, as you say, as that regulatory space starts to shore up uh, and there are also organizations needing to prove, for lack of a better word, or assert uh, where they are in this space, it's going to be, it's going to get yeah. even more and more exciting. Karen and I have a colleague that we did a webinar series with uh, earlier this year, and and, and he, he said it succinctly. He said, this train is leaving the station with ESG. If you don't get on it now, you may be behind. So we're, we see this as, you know, like Karen was saying, hey, folks, we know that something is coming in terms of regulations, standards out there, uh, and so on. But the key here is, is to balance your performance and conformance, right? Because if you were overly conformant to every rule, every regulation that you had to be conformant to, you could not operate as, as an enterprise. So start looking now at these areas, because if you can embed some key ESG practices in your organization, and they're not new, these are things that are part of your current governance structure. You will not miss the train when it leaves because it, you'll, you'll see a fury of organizations, just like we saw with, say, GDPR, who said, oh, my gosh, we now have to be compliant to this. Well, GDPR was a good thing, right? So will future rules for ESG, we believe. Okay. All right. Well, I'd like to talk about where people can go for more information on ESG. And earlier in the discussion, we talked a little bit about the UN. Karen, can you talk to us a little bit about some other information on ESG and where people can go to learn more? I would say definitely you could start with the UN sustainability goals and they're right on their website. And, and as I said, most governments around the world have adopted them. So you could probably do that level of research too. Because when you think about it, a lot of the, the UN goals can really be boiled down to a lot of the ESG things that investors are looking at or also companies are trying to achieve right now. I think as we mentioned earlier, there is a ton of stuff out there about what considerations you make if you're trying to do uh, socially responsible investing and trying to look at ESG related portfolios. But there, to be honest, there really isn't a lot specific to ESG for practitioners like myself and my colleagues in ISACA. So Mark, would you like to comment a little bit more on that? Sure. Yeah. So, I, and I echo the fact that there's no single, I would say authoritative source right now. Um, I would suggest again, I sorry to, to kind of put this out, but we did a series and multiple ISACA members were on this webinar series earlier this year, where we did a series of several webinars to, to explain each of the ESG components and, and really kind of wrap this whole thing up. And this webinar series, actually you can find it, uh, it's tinyurl.com slash ESG webinars. There's a series of YouTube videos that are that are free for people to look at. The second thing I would suggest is the forthcoming white paper on ESG that's going to be published by ISACA. And Lisa, I'll maybe uh, put that back into you. Might, might be able to put a plug in for that forthcoming uh, white paper that we've got. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I was excited about was this topic. And when the three of us started to talk a little bit of, and brainstorm about this topic, you know, I know we were excited about it, but I wasn't quite sure, you know, how it would resonate with people. And I have to say that with our subject matter experts that came in to review it, I was actually pleasantly surprised about how many people wanted to get in on this topic. And so that really gosh, made me wasn't there? Yeah. Oh my gosh, there was so many people. We had to turn some away, unfortunately. 
originally, but people are very passionate about this topic. And so I was excited to see that. And knowing that um, with your help and, and both of your efforts, we're able to kind of get in the you know, out in front of this in a way, uh, rather than be historians is very exciting for me. Well, I, I can tell you, um, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of both Karen and I, our body of work is not complete yet on this. Um, and, and we've been at this for, you know, this year and even before that, um, we are continuing to research and look at ways that we can really help um, our association, our colleagues have kind of a single place where they can go find out the latest and greatest on some of the trends, some of the things in ESG. Again, like we mentioned before, we're not investment advisors. And we started this whole thing out saying, we're not approaching this from an investment perspective. We're looking at it from an enterprise governance perspective, which is the G in ESG. So I, I would tell you, Lisa, that again, like we said, not much out there, but you haven't seen the last of the body of work that Karen and I are putting together so far. Okay, excellent. Well, as we wind down, I just want to talk a little bit about any closing remarks that each of you would like to make. Karen, let me start with you, and then we'll end with Mark. I'll just echo what our colleague had said. You know, the ESG train is leaving the station. Actually, it's already left the station. So, yeah, so you better, but but you still have time to run ahead and try and catch it. You know, I like I say, this is a really great time, I think, to be an INT governance because you have the chance to emerge as a leader for your company and to actually make a difference for your for your company and also for your communities. Yeah, and I think what's so exciting about this is it's it's a global topic as well, which really does appeal to our membership. Mark, any closing remarks? So just remember that that governance is key here. That's the reason G is at the end of ESG. The the, the basic components and the tenets of governing enterprise have not changed in years. Um, and so just because there may be new regulation coming out for ESG compliance, you don't have to necessarily change the way you operate other than to really look at some things around your culture, your reward structure, the way you look at ethics, the way, you know, the way your organization governs itself would be the same that you would be doing for, say, privacy and other things. And this would just be a component of your overall governance framework. Well, thank you both for joining me today. This has been an exciting uh, discussion and I wanna encourage everyone to go out and look for that white paper. What are you doing about environmental, social and governance practices in your enterprise? Karen, Mark, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Page to Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 